0: Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe lifting weights, knowing our cycles, and training with them is the future of women's training. I also believe this training, nutrition, and health stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard, and we should all feel strong and confident. So, This is your go-to show for practical information to build a stronger and healthier body. You'll find content on training, nutrition, hormones, and tons of experts who want to help you get stronger and healthier. I am your teacher, Amy Bowe, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. podcast episode 110, three things to boost your next day recovery. Okay, I admit that's like our sexy podcast episode title, and you'll have to listen all the way to the end for me to share those important three things that you should be doing to boost your recovery so you can get back in the gym and train harder and get stronger and build that body that you love. But we are going to talk about rest and recovery. You just need a sexy episode title sometimes. And I'm going to I'm going to give it to you, Don't worry, but we've got to go through some important bits of information on rest and recovery before we get the sexy three tips or the three things that we need to do, all right? So this podcast episode came about a few weeks ago. I was taking, I think I took eight or nine days off training and I got quite a few messages from women saying, are you training? I haven't seen you post anything about your training. How's everything going? Is everything okay? Okay. And I shared that I was taking about a week off. And then they asked, you know, why were you taking a week off? Uh, How do you know when your body needs uh, to take a week off? What do you do on your rest weeks? Uh, So I thought we would talk about rest and recovery. I have actually done a three-part series previously on how to recover well. So if you haven't... I highly recommend that you go and give them a lesson, episode 41, 42, 43, I believe. I will pop them in the show notes for you. Okay, so as I bring you this episode, it's Monday morning, 9.26am, and maybe you'll notice, maybe you won't notice, that... Maybe I seem a little slower today maybe a little lower energy uh, or you could just think that I just sound really calm <laughs> and I'm all of those things today and the reason is because I am training really hard at the moment. I'm on a new program and she is hard there's a lot of volume and a lot of intensity. And her and me are spending five days together. <laughs> so I'm training five days and they are intense sessions. And so this morning, I have this low level like nervous system, fatigue, tiredness. And I was actually thinking about it just before I started to record when I was uh, Olympic weightlifting and I was training like three or four hours a day, five or six days a week. And for those of you who have done Olympic lifting, you know, that, you know, it's really hard on the body. There's a lot of volume. There's a lot of intensity. And I would always experience, uh, we would laugh all of us who were lifting together, that we were some of the, you know calmest humans around <laughs> because of this um, like the nervous system fatigue that happens from training really hard and lifting really heavy it, it can be it can be really hard to explain but I'm sure some of you have experienced it before if you've done a really hard intense lifting session it comes up mostly when you lift like heavy weights, a lot of volume, a lot of load, a lot of intensity, when you get this deep nervous system fatigue, it feels like you're very, very calm. (laughs) Uh, And this is how I feel this morning because I've had a really hard two days of training. Um, And so my nervous system is pretty fried And don't worry, I'm recovering well, and we're going to talk about this today. But yeah, if I seem a little slower, or maybe I stumble on some of my words today, or I might pause a little longer in between my thoughts. I've got a post-it note here with some dot points on what I wanted to talk about. But yeah, if I seem a little slower, uh, I want you to stay with me because I'm here. It's just that my nervous system is a little fried, from training, so um, we're we're in the slow lane, the calm lane. Okay, even though I've had a coffee already, I'm still feeling very very calm. All right, let's go. In the episode today, we're going to talk about the importance of rest and recovery, how we measure recovery, and then. Yep, as I promised, I'm going to share the three things that you need to be doing to boost your next day recovery so you can get yourself back in that gym, so you can train, train hard. I wanted to start with, you know, have you ever noticed that you burn out? You know, maybe a few months, maybe a year or so of training, training hard, and then you feel like you can't train consistently as you don't have the energy. You have this fatigue, this tiredness, and it's not the same one that I was just talking about, not the really cool, calm nervous system fatigue, like this low energy or energy roller coaster, uh, you know, this burnout feeling of being exhausted all of the time. Or maybe you found yourself getting injured more. So you move to trying something else, or maybe you stopped altogether. Only you are burnt out for a reason. What's the reason? It's the same reason why so many women burn themselves out. It's the same reason why so many coaches burn themselves out. It's the same reason you're burning yourself out. It's also been very well studied. It's what you, they, we all do. Train too hard, too often, too much volume, and we don't rest or recover well. When in fact, warrior, rest and recovery are the most important parts of your training practice. The most important part of your training practice so everyone knows that you have to train and train hard to perform, uh, to get stronger, to build muscle, to increase your fitness. But there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. And training too much or doing too much, you know, what we call junk volume, living in that middle metabolic wasteland, uh, that I talked uh, to Dr. Stacey Sims and Libby Westcombe about. So if you haven't listened to their episodes, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to their episodes where we really talk about staying out of the middle and the importance of training hard and training high and then training low. So training too much can harm our performance or, you know, can really stop us from getting stronger or getting the results that we want just as much as not training enough does or not training in the right way. So therefore, we need to constantly engage in a delicate balancing act. It's like a dance between overdoing it and risking overtraining or injury or lack of progress and underdoing it, so leaving leaving stuff on the table, uh, you know, spending that time in that junk volume metabolic wasteland. So our bodies are full of information that can help us navigate this balance, all right? So our bodies are full of the information that we need to know, you know, If we're recovering well, when it's time to recover, you know, uh, is my training and my nutrition working for me? So if only we knew how to listen to our own (laughs) bodies, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at the information that our bodies tell us to help us navigate this fine line, this balancing act between overdoing it and underdoing it. Uh, And we want that sweet, sweet, sweet spot in the middle, So one of the things that I love to share with my women in warrior school is that what you do when you're not working out or not training has a bigger impact on your recovery and your next day recovery. So when I say next day recovery, I'm talking about the day after. So for example, yesterday, I had an extremely hard upper body strength session. Now what I did with my life all day yesterday, will impact how I recover today. So that's what I mean by next day recovery. So what you do when you're not training has a bigger impact on your next day recovery than the actual training session, than the actual effort or strain from that training session. So it's how you eat, how you slept, what kind of stresses you were dealing with, emotional, physical. It's also what you metabolize from your environment. And that's a huge one. So we need to think about all of those pieces. Now today, we're definitely going to focus on those three key things that you need to be doing for your next day recovery. But when we talk about this rest recovery piece as part of our practice, you need to know that what you're doing and how you're actually living has a huge impact on your ability to recover from your training. So what is recovery? Let's start there. Recovery is your body's ability to overcome and adapt to stress. So training is stressful. Strength training, lifting weights, super stressful. So Recovery is your body's ability to overcome and adapt to that stress. It's about returning to balance or what they call homeostasis. So when we train, strength train, muscles need electrical impulses to drive contraction. So uh, it relies on the nervous system to fire. And the nervous system is called the autonomic nervous system and consists of two parts. So the first part is your sympathetic nervous system, which is like your fight or flight. So if you want to lift heavy, run fast, uh, we activate that. And then we have the second branch, which is the parasympathetic nervous system. So rest and digest. So if we want to uh, sleep, relax, recover, we need to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. So when you want to train hard, you need to be able to crank up your sympathetic nervous system to push weight. And then when it's time to relax and recover with deep, restful sleep, you want your parasympathetic nervous system working at a high level. So recovery is about those two branches and that fine balance uh, between them. So essentially, it's a process that includes rest, refueling, rehydration, regeneration, or what we call repair, resynthesis, reduction of inflammation, and restoration that ultimately returns this uh, the body to this homeostasis or balance. All right, so we have the, I think they're the five or six R's that are talked about in uh, the recovery research and literature. So rest, refueling, rehydration, repair, resynthesis, reduction of inflammation, restoration. That's seven. But I think there's only like five or six in there in the research. So it's important to understand that there's a difference between acute recovery. So immediately after the hard training session and long-term recovery. So how recovery fits into, you know, your overall training practice, the course of your training. And then there is a difference between active recovery and passive recovery. So active is gentle movement, uh, recovery sessions. Passive is rest or sleep, food, and they both work for us. They're both really important. A lot of us actually need to rest more, Uh, don't we, warrior women? We actually need to do more passive rest. But today we're going to focus a lot on the active recovery because, you know, if the goal of your rest day is to boost recovery, so for example, for myself today, you know, my goal is to boost my recovery, then I actually have to take actions towards that. It's not merely an inaction of not going to the gym today, of not training. Uh, I actually have to put in strategies to boost my recovery. And we'll talk about those at the end. There's three key ones that I focus on. So when you're really struggling to come back from various stresses or come back from that hard training session, uh, we really need to focus on um, active recovery. We can't just not train today because that's not going to help us get back into the gym uh, and get stronger. So that's a key piece that I really want you to remember. There's a big difference between passive and active. We need both for sure. But if we want to get back into the gym and lift weights and train hard again, we might have to do more than just a passive rest day. We might actually have to put strategies in place to boost our recovery, uh, that next day recovery. So how do we measure recovery? Uh, usually an evening of restful sleep <laughs> coupled with uh, you know, eating enough food uh, and good nutrition and hydration will restore that homeostasis uh, that we were talking about. However, we can monitor some biofeedback, some physiological parameters uh, to validate recovery and to improve the recovery process. Now, for those of you who know me, you know that I am very organic in my training practice and I'm very organic when it comes to data and numbers. So some of this stuff I don't do. Uh, actually, a lot of it I don't do. But <laughs> I wanted to share it with you uh, so you can have the information and you can use it if you want to use it because I know a lot of you out there love the data but just know that I don't. Um, I don't use it. I just go off how my body feels. And because I've been doing it for a very, very, very long time now, uh, I'm very good at knowing you know if my body's recovered uh, and when I need to take uh, a rest day or when I need to put in extra recovery measures. But let's have a look at some of the various uh, parameters that we can look at to tell us or to measure recovery. So we have sleep. Sleep is, I think, the the biggest one. Now you can use, I think people use things to track their sleep, rings, um, apps on their phone. I have no idea what they're called. Uh, I've never used any of those, but I'm a great sleeper and I know that I sleep well. I couldn't do what I do in my training and in my life if I didn't sleep well. And I don't need a ring to tell me that. (laughs) But I know that there are Aura rings and Fitbits and Apple Watches and things out there that can track your sleep, you know, how many hours you slept if you got into deep sleep, um, and I'm not sure what else they, they track. So sorry, I'm not really helpful when it comes to the, the sleep data tracking. Basically, do you sleep? <laughs> do you sleep for, you know, eight, eight or so hours? Uh, can you get to sleep easy? Can you stay to sleep? Mostly, do you wake up feeling uh, energized and rested? Um, You know, for myself, when I train really hard and train a lot, I know my body needs more sleep. So over the past couple of weeks since my volume, my intensity of my training's gone up, I've added more sleep in. So last night, I think we went to bed at like 830 You know, I was asleep by 9.30 and slept till 6.30. And then the other night, I think I had nine and a half or 10 hours after a really hard training session. Often on the days that I train really, really hard, it will be about 8, 8 8.30 and I'll be laying on the rug and I will be falling asleep. And so my body craves more sleep. Our body does crave more sleep when we're training harder. So if you're training really hard four or five days a week, you're probably going to need to bump up the sleep or look at you know, improving the quality of the sleep if that's an issue for you. I remember when I was Olympic weightlifting, so I'd train in the morning and work and then I would come home, eat lunch, have a nap and then work and then we would train again and then I would still sleep for about eight or nine hours uh, that night. So I had to sleep a lot. So sleep is one parameter that you need to watch. And so in warrior school, this is a big one that my women track uh, in their training journals. So on the days that they train, they'll watch their sleep. So that night, how was the quality of their sleep? Uh, It can be an indicator that potentially the timing of the training was a little off. Uh, Maybe we didn't eat enough or the intensity of the session might have been too hard. Uh, And so sleep is a a really important one. So I highly recommend if you have a training diary um, or you track your training to start tracking your sleep, especially on those hard training days. And what I often see is uh, that the timing of the training, uh, so if we're training really late in the day and it's a really hard session, that can disrupt the sleep a little bit. But the biggest one that I see uh, that impacts our sleep is that we actually don't eat enough. And later in the podcast episode, we'll talk about um, food to support our training and our recovery. Another parameter that we can look at is resting, temp, and pulse. So for those of you who have been in uh, the metabolic space uh, and are very much into their biofeedback or their metabolic math markers, we can use resting, temp, and pulse uh, to... See how our body's recovering. So, for example, I could wake up this morning and take my resting temperature, and it should be between, you know, it should be around uh, 36.1, 36.4, and then rise over the day. In my follicular phase, so this is important. So our temperature is different through our menstrual cycle. So I'm on day two of my cycle right now. So my resting temp should read around 36.1 to 36.4, and my pulse should be, you know, my resting pulse is 75. And so after yesterday's really hard session, I could have taken, I didn't, but I could have taken my temperature this morning and my pulse and those resting readings should be uh, where they normally are. For example, if my temperature was low or my pulse was a bit lower, that can be a sign that uh, my body didn't recover as well as it could have. And now that could be maybe because the intensity of the training was a little too hard or I didn't eat enough to support uh, the training in my body yesterday. Now, I wouldn't be alarmed if I see a one-off um, or a, read, a couple of readings. Uh, we're looking for patterns. So for all of these parameters, all of this data, I care about the patterns of the data. Of course, some nights we're going to have a crappy sleep. Sometimes our temperature and pulse might be a bit off. Um, sometimes our HRV might be a little bit crappy, we're looking for patterns, okay? So don't freak out if you get a lower temp and pulse um, or your HRV is a little lower or your sleep is a bit funky for, you know, a couple of days. Over time, we want to just collect the data to see if what we're doing in our training and with our food is working for us. So in your follicular phase, your resting temp in the morning when you wake up, you take it straight away, should be 36.1 to 36.4. At ovulation, we should get a rise by 0.3 to 0.5 degrees. And then we're in the luteal phase. Our luteal resting temp should be 36.4 to 37. I forgot to say it in um, Fahrenheit. So resting Fahrenheit in follicular phase, about 97 to 97.5. Then you'll get a rise. And then in your luteal phase, so the second half of your cycle, resting in the morning should be about 97.6 to 98.6. So if we're getting frequent low temps and pulses on waking, it could be a sign that we're not recovering from our training. Maybe we're not eating enough or maybe we're actually over-training and the system is really stressed. So you want to look for this you know, over weeks. Uh, not just days. Then we can also take post-training temp and pulse. So when we finish training, we can take, take our temp and pulse. So if the body temperature is normal and the pulse is high, and this is about 45 minutes to an hour after training, it can be a sign that the training intensity or duration maybe was too intense for the physiology where the body was at on that day. If the body temperature drops and the pulse is normal, uh, it could be a sign that the food wasn't adequate to support the demands of the training. So that's another thing. I can get some of my warriors that have been with me for a really long time and are doing really hard strength training, I get them to monitor their post-temp and pulses, especially if we've uh, started a new training cycle, we've really bumped up the intensity I just, we want to know out of interest, you know, how is the body tolerating the training? So we look at that about 45 minutes to an hour post-session. Another piece of biofeedback we can use is HRV. And look, I'm not well-versed in HRV. I don't take my HRV. My dear friend Libby Westcombe is amazing at the HRV stuff. She gets all of her women to do that, Uh, But it's essentially a measure of our autonomic nervous system. So it determines our body's readiness to perform or to train. Uh, It can be a really cool parameter for recovery. And it's the variance of time in between the beats of your heart. Uh, The greater the variability, the more ready your body is to execute um, a hard session or to perform essentially. Actually, this week, no, last week, the end of last week, I got Dr. Stacey Sims' newsletter, and it was a HRV article, which I thought was super cool. And I wanted just to chuck in um, some of the things that she said in the article around HRV. I'm going to kind of summarize it for you. So she did say it's a good indicator. It can be a really good indicator for recovery, but uh, like many physiological factors, <laughs> like female hormones affect it, uh, and I'm just I'm laughing because you know with the female body and our female physiology and our menstrual cycle and you know how our hormones go up and down, they affect a lot of things. So it can be really hard to study us, uh, and you know sometimes these parameters uh, like HRV, you know may not tell us the whole story because of female hormones. So she was talking about what happens to HRV during the menstrual cycle. And she was saying that uh, premenopausal women, so women who are in their cycle years, so still have a a regular cycle, a natural cycle, uh, that HRV is actually influenced by the menstrual cycle. So in our first phase like our low hormone phase that follicular phase hrv is highest and then after after ovulation as progesterone rises it stimulates the sympathetic nervous system which in turn increases resting heart rate and respiratory rate which reduces hrv which is super cool but what does that mean (laughs) great question so if we think about uh, training with the cycle and in warrior school, we look at you know my women that are in their cycle years, we do look at their cycles and what's happening in their cycles and how they feel, and then we tailor their training uh, to their cycle. So our recovery metrics in our second half of our cycle, so that luteal phase, will always be lower compared to the follicular phase because we get changes in the autonomic nervous system, so we get changes in like our vagal tone, uh, and there's changes in estrogen and progesterone. So they affect our HRV and other recovery metrics. So we may be recovered, but because uh, the devices that we use, uh, so the watches and stuff, are not based on the algorithm that understands the hormone fluctuations, we can get a false low recovery st- score. Uh, so telling us that we're not fully recovered when actually we are uh also what i have found um is that your device can tell you uh you'll note that when your device tells you and how you feel do not always match up and that's another super interesting one uh and I know some women that do measure HRV and sometimes there's a bit of a discrepancy between what the device actually tells you and how you actually feel. And then there gets uh, there's a friction that gets created because the device is telling me that, oh, I didn't have a great sleep, but actually I feel really good. Um, and maybe some of my other parameters uh, and biofeedback is telling me actually, no, the body is like ready. It's recovered, but yet we have like this reading from the HRV, uh, which doesn't match up. And so when this happens, what I uh, enroll my warriors to do is just to really look at all their data, but really how does their body feel? Like you've got to come back into the body. How does it feel? Because, yes, we can have the rings and and the data and the tracking, but at the end of the day, you know, we're in the body. And so you really need to learn Uh, to understand how the body feels and is there readiness there to train and perform. So many women experience lower recovery during that late luteal phase uh, because of um, the changes, as I said, in progesterone and estrogen. And so we really work hard in warrior school with their physiology during this time to counter these effects. Uh, and the systemic inflammation that can happen that can impact our recovery scores so the body can be a little bit more inflamed in that second that late luteal phase uh, and that can come up in our our scores and so we can actually put in some strategies uh, to support to support the body and to support the recovery in that second phase of our cycle And the last one for me is just track how each training session feels like track how you feel. And this is why I think tracking is so important and why I write all my stuff in a training journal. Uh, I'm just tracking how the session feels like how hard was it? We could rate it out of 10. So in training, they use what we call like an RPE, which is like a rate of perceived exertion. And it's very subjective for sure. There's a scale to it, Uh, But what I found is that you need to be a little bit deeper into your training practice, a little bit more of an advanced um, uh, in your training to really truly uh, be able to correctly and accurately gauge uh, like the perceived exertion of a session. Um, So if you're a beginner in your practice, uh, yes, it can feel hard, but... um, you know, the workout might not be a high, a high rate of perceived exertion on the body. So this is the, this is the one that I really want you to, to watch is like track how each session feels. Um, so for example, my two sessions on the weekend, they were, you know, uh, an hour and 45 minutes long. Uh, there was a lot of volume in there, I was going to, you know, failure a lot of the time, it was very heavy weights. So my perceived exertion for those two sessions, it's pro- it was about an eight or a nine out of 10. Uh, and so they were really hard. So for a lot of my women in warrior school, they train three days a week. Now, a lot of them are building their foundation. So we can actually train uh, when we're building our foundation and we're doing more uh, mobility, stability, body weight, strength work. uh, We're walking. um, We can actually train more often. You could train every day if you wanted to. It's as you get more advanced, as you start lifting heavier weights that, you know, we could train less and we could just, we could rest more. So at the moment with my new program, I think every, uh, once a week I have to have at least one to two days where I rest and recover every two weeks. I have to have three days off in a row. Uh, And then I think it's once a month. I forget my once a month. And then every three months, it's one full week off. Uh, That was programmed by my coach. Uh, So I'm sure there's a strategy to it. But essentially, what I'm saying is that the deeper you get into your training practice, the more advanced, uh, the harder you can actually train in the session. Uh, You understand Uh, tension creation and effort. And so therefore, you can train really, really hard, like three, four sessions a week, uh, sometimes five. And then, you know, you can rest, rest more days or have more days off. Uh, And once you have an idea of how hard a given training session is and how many sessions you plan to complete each week, you can then plan recovery time between workouts so, a lot of my warriors, they start with three sessions a week and then they walk uh, or they do some kind of low level zone two cardio work or mobility work in the days between. So, they're, uh, they're moving their body essentially, you know, five, six days a week doing something, but they are doing their own program three days a week. Now, a lot of them could do more than that uh, from a physical perspective, from a recovery perspective but they actually can't do that from a, a life perspective. A lot of my warriors are mums, they have kids, they have a job and uh, some of them are healing. And so from a tolerance perspective, three seems to kind of hit that sweet spot. Uh, but a lot of them just don't have the time or capacity to train more, but they could at where what they're doing. Uh, and this is really important. You know, we do need that that volume work where we're training low or training high, we're focusing on our mobility, uh, our recovery base, our stability, our body weight strength, and exposing ourselves to that more frequently, you know, five, six days a week is actually really great in helping us build our foundation. Then as we start to get into weight training uh, and effort and lifting heavier weights, Training hard three times a week with a rest day in between seems to work really well for most women. So, my women in warrior school, they'll train, for example, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and they'll have a day in between where they do, they work on these three things that we're going to talk about to boost their next day recovery. Uh, so, if You're building strength. So if you're training to get stronger, uh, build muscle, we have like what we call a strength-focused recovery, and it can be quite different to an aesthetic-focused recovery. So maybe what someone might do if they were doing more bodybuilding type training. So if you're building strength, you can probably only do like max effort workouts two to three times per week, working at an intensity you know, that, at that intensity means that you'll need probably a good, uh, 48 to 72 hours between sessions to recover. And that's like max effort. So that's like working out like really hard, you know, that eight, nine perceived exertion, what I did over the weekend. So I'm probably going to need a good, probably 48 hours to recover from those sessions. Uh, Because remember, even if our muscles feel ready, what's our nervous system telling us? Our nervous system needs a break too. I'm just gonna take a sip of water. Yeah, so sometimes we may not have muscle soreness anymore, but what is the state of the nervous system doing? How does the nervous system feel? So having only like two to three high-intensity days doesn't mean that we take the rest of the week off. Uh, And it comes back to this whole concept of this rest recovery. You know, we can, what's so important for your training practice is to actually be in active recovery. So whether it's less intense, volume-focused workouts, it's recovery sessions, uh, or it's some other plan. And for a lot of my warriors, as I said, they walk, They do mobility work or some kind of low level like zone two cardio work. Uh, Because the body's designed to move. I really believe that. Uh, The more we move it, the better. Now, I mean like low level, like training low uh, type of movement. Not being in the middle where we're doing all this moderate intensity. That's not what I mean. Stay out of the middle. Train low on the days that you don't train high. But the goal is to build yourself to do really hard strength sessions three or four times a week, training high, and then packing around that, the training low, so the recovery stuff, the mobility stuff. Okay, as I promised you, the three things to boost your next day recovery. and You know, you might be surprised, you might not, but it's actually... Has nothing to do with certain supplements or BCAAs or any magical thing that's going to help you recover magically quicker. It's really about auto regulation. Uh, it doesn't even sound sexy, does it? <laughs> no, but it could. Auto regulation. Does that sound better? <laughs> okay. It's, it's actually pretty simple. It's like this training stuff. Yeah. Training to get strong is really simple. Not always easy. It, I find that we have the same problem with recovery. We think it's got to be this fancy thing and super complicated, but actually to recover well is really, really simple. I, I didn't say it was easy. A lot of us really struggle with it for some reason, but it's actually really simple. If you want to be like a recovery warrior, You need to be able to auto-regulate yourself. So exposure to light, sleep-wake timing, and food timing. That's essentially what you need. So our circadian rhythm, you know, our sleep-wake timing is essential for recovery. So the exposure to light in the morning triggers our cortisol awakening response. So our cortisol is highest in the morning from 7 to 9, uh, and then Over the day, it slowly declines and the melatonin kicks in uh, in the afternoon and the evening. And melatonin is highest in the evening, or it should be, uh, to uh, regulate that sleep timing. So the exposure to light can really help our recovery. And what I found here living in the north, it can be really hard during uh, winter because we don't get the light exposure. So that auto-regulation becomes a little more difficult. And I was having a check-in call with one of my warriors the other day. I was saying to her, it's, it's really, um, it's cool, but also um, super interesting that what I found is the the women that live in the Northern Hemisphere that don't see actually a lot of um, sunlight are uh, actually can struggle the most with their healing, with their recovery, with their stress tolerance because of that light exposure. And I didn't know how powerful it was until I moved here about five and a half years ago. And so I've developed whole uh, strategies, like winter strategies, a big winter protocol to really help um, support my body from a cellular level, from a nervous system uh, perspective during winter because uh it was so funny while walking the other day and I had my orange puffy coat on still and I said to Carson I've been wearing this thing since October and it was April it's now nearly the end of April that's seven months with that big winter jacket on and it's still pretty dark and cold uh and gray here and so our light exposure, our sleep wake timing can be quite off because of that. So there are certain things that we need to do, like expose ourselves uh, ourselves to light in the morning to get outside, uh, to you know look at the direct sun. Uh, and at night time, you know you've heard it all before: the screens, the technology. You know we need the low lighting in the house. We need to like set our environment up to support that sleep wake timing so that's a big one i know it doesn't sound sexy but your sleep consistency is it's key when it comes to your recovery as i said before the body craves more sleep when you're training harder Uh, and so mine you know my body loves nine hours nine and a half hours i think the other night i slept for 10 after a really hard session uh and so sleep consistency, going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time. Uh, what's your environment like where you sleep? Then we have your diet, so your food. So when women come to me, uh, they come because they're really struggling with uh, to get the results that they want in their training with poor performance. And one of the simplest but not always easiest uh, and most successful strategies I provide them Is getting them to eat more food. Eat more food! (laughs) So many women don't eat enough. Uh, Many women are chronically underfed, and whether that's because they're afraid to eat, uh, you know, they're in a constant state of trying to lose weight, or they unknowingly underfuel themselves. And I see this one a lot is that we think that we're eating enough, but actually we're not. because you just don't realize how much energy and nutrition you actually need. And that's for your metabolism, you know, just to support your body. And then these women are training on top of it. Uh, and if you're trying to train hard and build strength and perform and build muscle, you know, and, you're, and you're, you can't, I would really look at, are you actually eating enough food? Um, so like as an active woman, you need to eat enough. Uh, and you need to make sure that you're balancing your macronutrients, that you're eating enough quality protein, carbs, and fats. So for reference, let's do an example, right? On a moderate training day, which is a day where, you know, I'm doing a heavy weight session, and maybe I train for an hour, and an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes, you know, I'm going to need three to four grams of carbohydrates per kilo of body weight. I'm going to need 2 to 2.3 grams of protein per kilo of body weight and about 1, 1.2 grams of fat per kilo of body weight. So if I'm like 70 kilos or 145 pounds, um, actually, I don't know what 145 pounds is. Hold on. Okay, so one hundred and forty-five pounds is around yeah, like sixty six kilos. So for me, I'd be like a hundred and what? Let's figure it out together. Yeah, like I'm a hundred and like fifty-four pounds, or just under, maybe a hundred and fifty-three pounds. So I would need to eat. I do need to eat about. 24 to 2,600 calories on the majority of my training days. Uh, And that, that I believe, no, that I know is a far cry from what many women actually eat. Uh, And again, it's, you know, it's about your pyramid of building your foundation. So we don't, you know, I don't start all my women on that because they're just not actually training at that intensity. But as we increase our training intensity and our training volume and our load, We really have to watch that we're eating enough, especially if we want to build muscle and perform. The body needs enough calories. So that's the first place that I would start is, are you actually eating enough food? Figure out your basal metabolic rate, your resting metabolic rate. Figure out your average energy expenditure uh, over the day. And then, you know, if you are training three days a week and you're lifting weights, you know, you need to factor that in. Uh, So a lot of my women in warrior school, you know, they don't eat anything less than 2,000 calories a day. Most of them are on 22, 23, 2,400 calories a day. Then we could look at post-training fueling. So we've got number one, our exposure to light and sleep consistency. That's the one thing that will help you boost your next day recovery. Number two is your diet, so your food. Are you actually eating enough food, enough calories? And are you balancing your macronutrients? Then we've got post-training fueling. So training doesn't work without the nutrition to support it, okay? And then fueling directly around your training can really help you avoid going into low energy availability. It also boosts recovery. So I've seen women become more in tune with their pre and during exercise fueling needs. But uh, one area I feel that still falls short is their recovery. So I see too many women who really admit to like skipping their post-workout snack Uh, because they're trying to lose weight. Uh, And that's the wrong way to go about it, especially as a woman. We actually need that post-workout snack, especially if we're Mm. strength training, if Mm. we're lifting weight. So I know it seems super logic on the surface. It's easy to think if we delay our food post-workout, we'll prolong our fat burning (laughs) since our body has nothing else left to burn and thereby we'll lose weight. But it doesn't work like that. Actually, it's the opposite Uh, we can end up gaining weight because if we withhold recovery fuel, we put our body into what we call like a catabolic state and that stores our recovery. It dims our metabolism and increases fat storage because the body's afraid that it is in like a state of famine. We can also kiss like those lean muscle mass uh, gains goodbye because without uh, adequate energy intake, we could get stronger, but we ain't going to build muscle. We actually have to be in a surplus to build muscle. Uh, which surprises a lot of women Uh, but we we need to be in a surplus so the better strategy for you to take uh, is to take advantage of that recovery window so there is a recovery window that we talk about in sports nutrition and that's the time right after your training when your insulin levels peak and it opens multiple what we call like metabolic pathways Uh, to really help um, glycogen storage and muscle repair. And so you could call this the golden window. I think Stacey Sims calls this, calls this the golden window. And you're not only really primed to transport the carbs you eat straight into your muscle stores, but you can also shuttle amino acids into your muscles. So amino, amino acids are found in protein, uh, where they can start to repair the damage and build you back stronger. That's what we want. We want to be build, builded back stronger. (laughs) So as a woman, our recovery window is a lot shorter than males. Okay, so we only have about 30 to 45 minutes. That golden window. Imagine that golden window and the time's ticking down and the golden window is getting smaller and smaller and smaller as we get to 45 minutes, and then the golden window is gone. So we want to get that post-recovery snack in within 30 to 45 minutes, where men, of course, have up to three hours. (laughs) Okay, so between 30 to 45 minutes post-recovery snack something really, really cool that I learned in my podcast with Dr. Stacey Sims was that women who are in their 40s and are going into like perimenopause and menopause actually need 40 grams of protein after their training. 40. That's pretty high. And that um, piece of research that she shared with me blew my mind. So, If 40 is a lot, 40 is a lot, yeah, so 40 is a little hard, I would start with 25 to 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of a hard workout, and you want to pair that with a little bit of carbohydrate Uh, because they work in harmony to increase our glycogen storage rates. Uh, And some research also shows that taking in carbs and protein helps reduce inflammation and can boost our immunity, all right, so you want to pair those, those two together. Uh, and if you can, you want to work up to 40 grams. If you're a woman who is in her mm. 40s, uh, 50s, uh, and you yeah, you want to try and get 40 grams of protein in. But start with 25 to 30 grams, 30 to 45 minutes post-strength session. And then the last one is, I believe, uh, I'm going to throw this one in. You need to do walking and mobility work. I think they are so super key to help you recover well, Uh, especially mobility work. And a lot of my women finish their sessions with stretching, passive stretching or mobility uh, to help their body recover well. It's like a cool down. Yeah, you remember... Uh, you know, back in the day when you used to play sport and you used to have to do a little bit of a cool down, uh, think of athletes. You know, athletes have to do cool downs and that is to aid recovery, to get blood flow back into the tissue. Uh, and so all of my warriors finish um, their training sessions with some kind of passive stretching or mobility work. And then on the days in between, as I said, they, they walk or do zone two uh, cardio work, because that's key, I think, and essential uh, to helping us recover, to boost our recovery. All right, I did promise I would share, you know, what I do in my recovery weeks or my rest weeks. Uh, I took eight days off, and that was just because I was in the red. Uh, So my business coach, John, He uses a color system uh, to rate kind of where we're at on a nervous system level, It's like a traffic light system. And so sometimes we'll jump on the calls and he'll ask us if we're green, orange or red. Uh, So I really like to use that with my warriors to kind of that can help you gauge like how you're feeling. Green would be super calm, like. Yeah, nourished, rested, like good to go. Like we're 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 ready. We're ready to train and perform. The body feels really good. I have energy, slept well. Uh, orange would be, yeah, like I feel like a little a little tired or a little stressed. Um, maybe I didn't eat quite enough the day before. Like I have got a few things going on on in my mind, but you know I can you know I can show up to my training, and then red would be like red red, like, ah, 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 like alarm red. And um, that's like stressed. You know, maybe sleep's wacky. Uh, you're not nourishing your body enough. Your body's just quite stressed and tired. And you can tell through your biofeedback, through those parameters that we spoke about. So I was just training really hard, working a lot. Uh, you know, I'm a big believer in training hard. I believe we can train hard in a respectful way, Uh, I believe we can work hard. You know, I think it just all comes in sprints. And so I love to go on these sprints where it's almost unsustainable. You know, my work capacity and the training that I do, it's, it's pretty unsustainable. And then, and I think that's cool. And I think we can do that, especially if you're deep into your training practice. You know, you've really, you know, I'm 10, 12 years deep into my training practice. Uh, And so I love to actually go on sprints and train super hard. That's not sustainable. But then I have to take like a week off, you know, rest and recover. So sprint, rest and recover. So when I took eight days off of training a few weeks ago, it was just because I had been in a massive sprint. Uh, My body was in the red. And so I took eight days off. Uh, I slept more. So, you know, nine, ten hours a night. I reduced uh, my coffee to only one coffee a day. I did saunas. I got uh, treatments. I did my sunshine bed. I actually tracked my food. For those of you who know me, I don't track a lot, but I tracked my food in that week just to make sure that I was actually getting enough and I ate even a bit more food uh, than I normally would. Uh, I walked, uh, spent time in nature. So those are just some things that I do uh, to help me recover so you have those uh, three key things, your sleep-wake timing and the sleep consistency. You have are you actually eating enough about food and balancing your macros? Then you have your post-training uh, uh, protocol. And then you have your walking and mobility. So those are the three things that are going to boost your next day recovery. Then you can do loads of other stuff, yeah? You can do sauna, um, cold, uh, hot therapy, you can get treatments, um, and you know, there's a bunch of other uh, practices that you could do. But like, like I said at the beginning, you can't skip those three key things. They're essential. Uh, okay, so what does that mean for you? If you want to get stronger, if you want to build muscle and feel really great in your body, you've got to honour rest and recovery as much as you honour training hard. So if you aren't resting and recovering, you aren't actually training properly. All right, we're going to call it there. 59 minutes. Wow. I need to go and have some water and have some food. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, As always, you know, if you have questions, let me know. Uh, If you have feedback, I love it. I love feedback. Give it to me. Uh, And if you, you you know of another warrior that would really get a lot out of this episode, share it with her, tag me on the gram, you know, all all of the stuff. I love hearing from you. I appreciate your time. Hopefully you were out on a walk while you listened to this one. Now go, go, go in. Go recover well, Warrior. Warrior Woman, you can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please give it love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, tag me in it on Instagram with your biggest takeaway.